Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC in Singapore. You're going to have to get up at an extra early time, 5 a.m. on the East Coast, to check out this card. It, but it's an exciting one. You're going to see a main event between Ben Askren and Damian Maya. But as you guys know who listen to this podcast, we are not going to be breaking down that main event fight. We instead are entirely focused on the prelims. Now, if you're new to the show, you're probably wondering to yourself, why just talk about the prelims? There's some exciting card fights on the main card. That main event is an absolutely interesting fight between a couple of grapplers. But the answer is quite simple. The, the reason that we focus on the prelims is because you guys know what's going on in the main card. You know what's going on in the main event. You probably even have some podcasts that you go to where you listen to a breakdown. But what you don't have is a place where you can go to to find out about the guys on the early part of the card and get a breakdown there. And we actually think that that's probably the place where you're missing out on winning some money, either gambling or playing daily fantasy sports. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this show is entirely sponsored by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports for mixed martial arts. And the reason that they're, they're completely changing the game is that they have simplified the way that you play it. We don't have to worry about salary caps anymore. We don't have to worry about weird arbitrary scoring systems anymore. Instead, you just pick five fighters that you think are going to win, the way that they're going to win, either sub, decision, or knockout, and the round that you think they're going to win. And that's it. It's that simple. And once you've done that, you just get to watch your points rack up. And it's really the best way to do daily fantasy sports for MMA. And if you don't believe me, you can head on over to BSMMA.com right now and play one of their free contests. They have contests going on right now for free. You can win some awesome BSMMA swag. Or if you're feeling really confident, they've got some really fun for cash competitions, and you're going to want to make sure you get on those at bsmma.com. So go ahead on over there. Make your picks today. And to help you out with those picks over on bsmma.com, I have enlisted the help of another savvy co-host. Joining us from the Fight Library is Blaine Henry. Blaine, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I don't know how savvy I'm going to be, but I'm going to give it my all. All right. Sounds good. So as you guys know who are familiar to the podcast, we start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Randa Marcos versus Ashley Yoder. So Marcos is 1-1-1 one, one, and one in her last three, which has kind of been the standard with her. She's bounced back and forth between wins and losses. She drew against Marina Rodriguez, beat Ashley Hill, and lost to Claudia Gedalia. Ashley Yoder started her UFC career with three straight decision losses, but she's since bounced back with two straight wins against Siri Kondo and Amanda Bobby Cooper. So, Blaine, my question for you is, I- I'm kind of hoping to see this fight go to the ground because I think it's where both of them are their best. Do you think the fight ever gets to the ground? I actually don't think the fight goes to the ground, um, but when you see two people that want to go to the ground, like I think the main event's going to happen. It's going to be a lot of stand-up. I think this fight's going to be a lot of stand-up. I think Yoder and Marcos will respect each other's ground game. Um, Then again, I could be completely wrong and... One could completely dominate on the ground, but I feel like I feel like Yoder um, she'll she'll want to keep it standing, and Marcos will as well. It'll kind of be like a, uh, a I don't want to say gentleman's agreement with these two, but you know what I mean, mm-hmm. a gentleman's agreement that no, we're gonna stand and bang since we respect each other on the ground. That that's sort of interesting too. And now I'm wondering, given that fact. You know, we've seen both of them have varying degrees of success on the feet. You know, like Yoder looked good against Dern. You know, Marcos looked good against Hill. But at other times, they've both looked a little sketchy on the feet. Which of them do you think is the advantage if it does stay on the feet? 
I think Ashley Yoder does um, with her wins over uh, Kondo and Cooper. Um, she's she's grown a lot. She has two fight a uh, two fight win streak going on here. Marcos is still you know she's she's a great prospect and everything, but she's just had a rough go of it lately, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. To be honest with you, as much as I want her to be good, I, I feel like Yoder is uh, going to be the better the better of the two fighters um, this fight because of the fact you know she's young and she's growing and she's learning so. Yeah, I agree with that, too. It, it seems like every single time we see Yoder, she grows in leaps and bounds. Um, and, and like you said, it's because she's early in her career. Um, I, I, as a, you know, just a one more follow-up question. If Marcos decides to take it to the ground, do you think Marcos can win a fight there? Um, I think she can win a fight on the ground. Um, I don't know if she will win the fight on the ground. Um, I feel like Ashley Yoder will be... Uh, how do you say she she wants to get up because she wants to to um, keep the fight standing. And I feel like she has the skills and she has the talent to be able to simply get up out of a, a, a takedown from Randa Marcos. Um, her, her ground game is good, but I don't feel like it's Tatiana Suarez good. Yeah, and I like her scrambling, too. That's another thing I like about Yoder. So it sounds like we're leaning pretty much the same way on this one. Uh, I like Ashley Yoder by decision here. How about you? I like Ashley Yoder via split decision. I'm going to take it a step further. Oh, ah, I love it. So we're going to move on to our second fight, which is Sergey Pavlovich versus Maurice Green. So Pavlovich is 1-1 one one in the UFC. He lost his debut, which was a main event against Alistair Overeem, and followed that up by absolutely decimating Marcelo Gohm. Maurice Green is a quiet 3-0 and in the UFC. He beat uh, Mikhail Batista, Jeff Hughes, and Junior Albini in three different ways, submission, knockout, and decision. Uh... Both of them are not, or none of those people on Green's list are particular killers in the striking department. How do you think he fares against somebody who does seem like a killer in the striking department in Sergei Pavlovich? Well, if you've ever played the video game Dark Souls, they have bosses that have skill checks. Basically, it's are you ready to go on to the next part of the game? And Sergei Pavlovich and Maurice Green are both skill checks for each other. I feel like uh, Maurice Green... Uh, it, he, he's got an advantage here because he has more than one weapon, whereas Sergey Pavlovich, uh, he has bombs in his hands and he can, he can knock you out at any moment. But as we saw with, uh, with Green's last fight, he, who was that? Um, was that Albini? Yeah, it was Junior Albini. Yeah, he knocked out Junior Albini yeah. in the first round and it was vicious, man. It, he, he looked good. I like the crochet boss in this fight, man. I really do. That's interesting, too, because I tend to think of Green as his best weapon being his grappling. Uh, you know, I, I think his submission game's good. I think his top game's good. I even think he's good off of his back. But it's interesting to think about him, you know, standing and striking here because, you know, you know, Junior Albini, you're right. He did put him away. Junior Albini's got a hard head, so he's got good punching power. But does this then just wind up being one of those fights where the first guy to land gets the knockout? I think so. Um, you know, Maurice Green is a giant, first of all. He's six foot seven. Um, so he's these two guys, they're not gonna this is not gonna be one of those fights. Then again, you know, you, you mentioned Green's clinch work. You got me changing my mind here. Um this might be a fight where Green grinds him out on the fence. He hasn't done that quite yet, you know. Um but at the same time, he's six seven. He has the length on Pavlovich. Uh even though Pavlovich has an eighty four inch reach, that height's gonna play a big difference for Maurice Green. Uh, you know, he can either keep him away with the jab or he can keep him on the fence, uh, much like Reem did. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see which of those methods that Green goes with. And I think ultimately that will sort of decide the fight where he decides to fight it. So uh, I'm going to ask you, what do you got for a prediction in this one? 
Um, <laughs> this one's the toughest one of all the ones I was looking at. I'm going to go ahead and go with Maurice Green uh, via knockout in the second round. TKO. All right, I'm going to go with Sergei Pavlovich. I think he knocks him out in the first round. And I, I think we're right on this one. I think it's a fight where the first guy to land pretty significantly is the one who wins the fight. And that's going to do it for the end of our very first round. We're going to take a quick break and talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. Look, my favorite part about playing on BSMMA.com is showing my friends how much better I am at making picks. They've got a really awesome create a contest option that is fully customizable. You can put any amount in there to wager. You can put any kind of payout structure. You can invite as many of your friends as you want. Heck, you can even set up a game that has a $0 entry. That's it. Just a $0 entry. Maybe you just want to prove to them that you're smarter. It doesn't matter what you want to do. BSMMA.com has got you covered so that you have a fun scoring system in the most logical way possible. So check it all out. BSMMA.com. Invite your friends. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alex White versus Rafael Fiziev. So White is one and two in his last three. After losing to Jim Miller and James Krause, he got back in the win column by beating Dan Moret by decision back in March. Fiziev lost his UFC debut to Magomed Mustafaev by spinning back fist in the first round. So that's a really weird loss for Fiziev, especially if you had seen him on the local circuit being a killer on the feet. Are you concerned about his chin in that it maybe wasn't tested outside, or was that just a complete fluke? I mean, it was a complete fluke. First of all, uh, Magomed's Russian, and these guys pull off crazy things all the time. So it wasn't a surprise to me as much as it was a wow moment because I've come to expect these things from these guys from that portion of our planet. That said, um, I don't think Alex White has those kind of weapons in the uh, in the arsenal against uh, Fiziev. I don't think he'll be able to put him away in the same spectacular fashion if he can put him away. Yeah, and I also think, too, with Magomed Mustafaev, I think that guy is is a guy who Fiziev worried a little bit about the grappling game with, right? Like, he was worried about possibly getting taken down, getting grinded up a little bit. And I think for that reason, his hands were a little bit lower than he would traditionally hold them. Versus Alex White, that's not going to be the case. I don't expect him to be worried about a takedown from Alex White. He knows he's going into this fight to fight exactly the type of fight he wants to fight. And I think that comfort level is also going to help him in here. Now, here's the real question, though. So it sounds like you're leaning with me with Fiziev. Do you think Fiziev has the ability to knock out Alex White? Oh, absolutely. He's going to steamroll Alex White. and That's going to be the end of it. I don't think it's going to be a long fight at all. Um, I think he has bad intentions for Alex White, not because of Alex White, but because his UFC debut was spoiled. He's such a hot prospect coming in. He's tore up the regional circuit, um, you know, and I, I just see him coming in here with a vengeance because he feels like he has to prove something because he lost his UFC debut. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. I, I think Fiziev by first round knockout is the pick here all the way. Now, to, for our second fight of this round, we're going to talk about Enrique Barzola versus Movsar Evloev. So, Barzola, he's won five of his last six, which is kind of surprising. His only loss in there was to Kevin Aguilar. He beat Bobby Moffat in that range, Brandon Davis, Gabriel Benitez, all kind of interesting names. Evloev is only 1-0 in the UFC. He just made his debut, beating Sungwoo Choi in his debut. Uh, both of them average about a takedown every three minutes in their fight, which is crazy. Five takedowns per 15-minute fight. Which of them here do you think lands more takedowns? Because I think they're both going for him. 
Uh, this is going to be another one of those stalemates, um, but not quite for the same reason that the Yoder fight. I think Evlyov, however you say his name, I, I apologize for butchering that. Um, I think he's going to edge him out in the grappling department, and I think these guys are going to have to stand. They're going to be forced to stand up and 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 trade shots because these guys, they're both very, very good at getting to the ground, and they, they, they thrive getting the fight on the ground. And when you have two guys that are proficient, in the same thing, it, it's it's a great to when they get there, but oftentimes it gets a little hard to get there. Yeah, that that's sort of interesting too. Yeah, it, it would be a real bummer again if, if neither of them hit a takedown because I actually enjoy Enrique Barzola's top game. You know, I haven't seen much of Evloev's, but I, I like Barzola's top game, and I, I think he's actually a, a really interesting fighter. As I said, he's won five of six, which is sort of surprising. He's done a lot of it with his grappling game. Even in the Kevin Aguilar fight, his grappling didn't look awful. Um, I'm interested to think though, if this does stay on the feet, which of them do you think has the advantage? I think, uh, Barzola has the advantage on the feet. Uh, and I think that's where he's going to win this fight, uh, against, uh, what's his name? Evloev. Jeez. These Russians are the names. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think he has the advantage on the feet, uh, just from sheer experience of the UFC. M1's a great circuit that, uh, that he's fought in, but at the same time, it's still not quite the competition level that the UFC is, and he's seen that competition level. Yeah, I agree entirely, too. And and, and as a separate note, I, I think actually the person, if it does seem to be a stalemate, the person who's probably going to continuously go back to the takedown and try over and over again is Barzola. And as a result, I also think that leans towards him as far as the judge's eyes, right? If this winds up being a fight where they're pinned up against the cage, one of them going for a takedown, not necessarily being successful, but, you know, leaning on him for, you know, two, three minutes of a round, mostly a stalemate on the feet. I think it leans Barzola by decision there, and, and that's why that's the pick I'm going with. I'm going with Barzola by decision. How about you? I'm going to take the same thing um, as simply because of what you said. Uh, pushing against the cage, you know, judges oftentimes are ignorant to that, which sucks because it's a, an integral part of the game. But if he's shooting for takedowns and he's trying to be offensive, um, I think the judges tilt the fight his way in a very close fight. I won't say split decision this time, but I will say a uh, decision for Barzola nonetheless. All right. Well, that's going to do it with the end of our second round. we got two more fights to go in the third round. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. So we already talked about how BSMMA.com is changing the way you play daily fantasy sports by boiling it down to the simple parts, right? Five winners, five methods, five rounds, and that's it. But also they've got a really fun bonus system that helps give extra points to the people who actually know how the fight's going to go. For instance, if you really think that your fighter is going to land a big one-punch knockout, you add the Debo bonus and you get 10 bonus points if they do just that. So if you know that not only are they going to win, they're not going to win by TKO, they're going to win by violent one-punch knockout, that's the type of thing that you can slap on. There's also extra bonuses for extra takedowns, all kinds of other things, the quickness that they get it done. If you know how the fight's going to go, you're going to get rewarded at bsmma.com. And really, what more do you want from daily fantasy sports? Now, back to the show. And we are back with round number three. I got to put another five minutes on the clock. Hold on. Let me use my inhaler. <laughs> and with that, 
we're going to start with heavyweights. Jeff Hughes versus Rafael Pessoa. So Jeff Hughes lost a split decision to Maurice Green in his debut. He got a no contest in his second one due to an eye poke, not due to that inhaler. And then Rafael Pessoa, he lost in his debut by arm triangle to Surreal Gane, who's also on the card later on. Uh, his hands were way down in that fight, sort of got hit quite a bit. But also in the same sense, he got choked out by a kickboxer. Do you think that is a huge concern here when he's fighting a guy like Hughes? Uh, you know, kind of. Um, Jeff Hughes is dangerous on the ground, man. I I, I don't really have much faith uh, in Rafael. Um, you know, he's he he's a good fighter. I just think this matchup is bad for him. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, you know, he got choked out by a kickboxer. You know, that, yeah. that's almost all you have to say. Like, arm triangle by Surreal Ghani it's a bad sign to start. And yeah, he's working at the MMA factory. So he's clearly got some ground game too. It's not like they just ignore the ground game altogether, but that's worrisome. And then, it, like I said before that, you know, in that debut, and if you look at his regional circuit stuff, he fights with his hands pretty far down, which you're never going to last in the heavyweight division, especially in the UFC with your hands down around your shoulders instead of up near your chin. So with that being said, I think this is a gift wrap fight for Hughes, which is good because I think he deserves it after, you know, what went down with, with Todd Duffy, which was really yeah. unfortunate. So with that being said, I mean, we don't even need to belabor this, this fight. I'm going with Jeff Hughes. I think he probably gets a TKO in the top game rather than getting the sub, but I right. think he probably drags him down and finishes him any way he wants. How about you? I'm going to say second round. Um, I, I, I think, I, I feel like Raphael's very uh, tough. He's a tough competitor. Um, so he'll gut out the ground and pound in the first round. And then I think Jeff Hughes submits him second round, rear naked choke. All right, there you have it. And now let's move on to the very last fight of the night, which is Alexandra Albu versus Luma Lukbume. So Lukbume making her UFC debut at only 3-1, which is kind of crazy. She last beat Monique Azevedo in Invicta, which was down at 105 pounds, which is interesting. She was an atom weight fighter before coming to the UFC, which obviously UFC doesn't have that division. She's fighting Alexandra Albu, who is also, you know, like not the most experienced fighter in the world. Albu, only 3-1 in her career as well. Although three of those have come in the UFC. She's 2-1 in the UFC. She had a two-fight win streak to kick off her UFC career, beating Kaylin Curran and Isabel Badurik, one of them by uh, guillotine choke, but then followed that up by getting choked out very quickly by Emily Whitmire. So here's my question. Is you got Albu, who's this like very strong woman here, are you a little bit worried that the size advantage here over what is essentially an atom weight is going to cost Luke Bume the fight? That's going to be the biggest factor in the fight is the size, honestly. Um, I I thought I butchered that Russian's name earlier. Lubumi uh, <laughs> is, is, is a tough one to pronounce. That said, I think the size is the biggest issue there. I, I feel like Alexandra is going to be able to do what she wants. Um, and speaking on the, uh, the, the level of skill, the UFC is going after these type of guys. You know, Abu is a uh, karate-style fighter. Um, and Loma is, you know, Muay Thai. So these two are going to be fun to watch in the stand-up. And I think this one actually does have potential to be fight of the night if Loma can do what she needs to do and stay out of the clinch. Um, but I, I think the size is a bit much here. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and I, I think that your, your observation that she's going to need to stay out of the clinch is so important, too, because – when you look at the, like we said, the size discrepancy is a big piece, but also that elbow has like some skills on the ground. You know, like we, we, we doubt them a little bit because, you know, she got submitted in her last fight or whatever, and she got rear naked choked in almost no time. 
but she also had five takedowns against Kaylin Curran. And not that Kaylin Curran was a world beater in the UFC. You know, people sort of joke that she had lost like a hundred fights in a row in the UFC. But she she was a good grappler, right? Like that that was the thing about Kaylin Curran. That's why they kept bringing her back. She was a fun and exciting grappler. She got taken down five times by Alexander Albu. So like her her physicality's already there. We kind of favor her in the clinch because of her size. And on top of that, like, you know, her size is probably going to help her land a takedown or two. And you mentioned Lukbume is is being, you know, the type who's, uh, you know, a striker. She's a Muay Thai specialist. Is she going to be able to hang with her on the ground? No, not at all. Um, I, I think Alexandra is, is just going to be too strong on the on in general. Mm-hmm. Um, only way Loma wins this fight is if she keeps it at distance, like I'd mentioned earlier. Yeah, and I don't think she can do that. So as a result, I'm taking Albu. I'm actually going to take her by submission. I think she gets it down and can finish it, if not by by top game TKO. I'll say late, though, like a second or third round one, once the, the physicality really begins to wear on Loma. How about you? I say third round TKO, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if this fight goes the distance. I think we'll also see a bunch of spinning stuff that'll make us excited. Ooh, love the spinning stuff. And uh, that's actually going to do it with all three rounds. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. All six of those fights come on the prelim portion. Also, make sure to tune in on the main card as well for some exciting fights. Uh, I want to thank Blaine so much for stopping by. Blaine, thank you so much for stopping by. Also, make sure to check out fightlibrary.com. Thank you very much for having me, and we're going to have to do this again. It was very fun.